This is a college football podcast. We've got Northwestern recap for you against Maryland, preview against Iowa. We'll do some Big Ten bounce around, and then, as always, some national games, a really interesting slate of games last week, four top ten teams falling. Let's start with Northwestern, guys. They uh, played Maryland on the road, 137-21. Um, a pretty good performance against a not-great team. How much can we take away from that about how good Northwestern actually is? Well, it's a, it's a not-great team, but it's a fine team. I think they're pretty much middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team. We're talking about the Maryland Terrapins here. Beat Texas week one. Yeah, it's a good win, and they have a pretty good offense. Ty Johnson's one of the best running backs in the conference. He looks Absolutely. Look pretty DJ, good, too. DJ Moore is one of the best wide receivers. Yeah, this is, this is a dynamic offense, but uh, Northwestern kind of put the clamps on them, especially in the second half, and this was a big day for their offense to get clicking. Maryland's defense, one of the worst ones in the conference, and if Northwestern didn't get the offense going this week, I would have been very, very concerned. Instead, a little bit of relief, but still a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, Northwestern did take advantage of the, the poorer facets of this Maryland team. Now, they, now they, they, they clearly showed some progress, but they, they're also their best performances were uh, against those, the worst parts of this Maryland team. Maryland... Uh, their scoring defense is still last in the Big Ten. I mentioned that on last week's podcast. It's definitely still true with that with Northwestern putting up 37 against them. Uh, they haven't been able to get after the passer, and Northwestern's offensive line was able to keep them from getting after the passer. They haven't been able to do very well against the run. Their defense has really struggled, and Northwestern took advantage of that defense. So, um, I would, I would, I would hasten, I would, I wouldn't hasten to read too much into this performance, but it's certainly something to build on. It's a building block for a Northwestern team that has certainly struggled to begin conference play. And then how about Justin Jackson, too, as well in this game? I think this was the day we were all waiting for, for Justin Jackson. Absolutely, yeah. 28 carries, 174 yards, two touchdowns for the running back. And, yeah, I think this was the day that he really needed to have to kind of get going. He'd been banged up, not quite himself. Yeah, Maryland's defense isn't great, but, man, he really did put on a show on Saturday. Yeah, and, uh, of, of course, it's easy for me to say Maryland's defense isn't that great, but Justin Jackson looked like looked back to his usual self. He looked 100%. His cuts were phenomenal. Uh, he had the speed uh, all day, getting through holes. Uh, a couple of jump cuts, just unbelievable. Just the quickness with which he's able to get through holes, I'm, I'm constantly amazed by it. Um, and he, he definitely looked back to his old self. I mean, a, that, a couple of just huge runs. Uh, he was uh, blasting off chunks all day against this Maryland defense. And, yeah, he had, a, he had a game. He's back to his normal self, and that's a great sign for his Northwestern offense. My question for you guys is, obviously the offense looked good. Putting 37 points, always a good sign. How good are they actually? Because so far they've played three great games in offense against three not good defensive teams. Duke, we're still the jury's still out on how good they are defensively, but they're pretty athletic and fast. And the two other good defenses they faced, they were pretty bad. So, where is Northwestern's true talent level on offense? I mean, I think the most encouraging sign will probably be that Wisconsin game, which is one of the a pretty strong defense there and. Northwestern, especially in that second half, really did rally on offense. The first half, offense was pretty much dead. But back in that Wisconsin game, in the second half, I really did see some good signs for that Northwestern offense. The offensive line put together some of their best drives that they've had all year. Clayton Thorson looked really poised in the pocket, kind of similar to what we saw this weekend against Maryland. And I think that was the most encouraging sign to me, is that against a good defense, they were capable of putting that together over a few drives. Now, it's just about making that the consistent level of play, and it's a pretty big jump to do that. 
I'm a little more pessimistic, I'd have to say, about, about this offense's true skill level. I just think that they've, they've folded. Now, they, they had those good drives at the end of the Wisconsin game, but I would argue that Wisconsin had taken the pressure off a little bit by that point. And they folded against against defenses that just, even those that just have that one dominant unit. Uh, Penn State's coverage overwhelmed them and forced coverage sacks, forced Thorson to try to throw into uh, tight spaces and he couldn't get the ball in there, and just dominated them the whole game. The first string offense didn't score a point against that Penn State team that, although they have a good defense, they're only truly dominant in the one facet. Uh... Wisconsin dominated them with their front for the for the majority of that game, for the part of the game where uh, the game was still, the game's outcome was still seemingly in doubt. Um, I think that until this offense puts together a full game against a good defense, which I know is not something that they're not going to face too many more really strong defenses. I think it's just Iowa and Michigan State and the rest of the defenses that are mediocre at best. Uh, the, the schedule finishes out pretty pretty slowly, but I, I think I need to see them put together a full game. Of, of just competent offensive work all around from from Thorson not making bad decisions to the offensive line at least at least being competent at least keeping Thorson giving Thorson a clean pocket some of the time I would love to see that and then uh, with the running game being able to work I, I think we need to see more from them to truly deem them uh, an above average offense I agree with you I don't think that they've done enough work at this point to say that they've been an above average offense but. I still see the potential there. I still see that this yeah. team can do it. They have enough in there. They've just they've done it in bits and flashes. Now you just gotta just kind of put it together. And last week was a good opportunity to do that. You know, maybe they can take some of that and take it as momentum into this week against what's going to be one of the better defenses that they face the rest of the season. Absolutely. I think this weekend is a really good opportunity for Northwestern to show that they're they're better than what they've shown so far. I think for them it comes down to their offensive line. Uh, their offensive line certainly one of their toughest units to – sorry, not one of their toughest units, one of the hardest units to succeed this year. I said that awkwardly, but you know what I mean. Uh, they've had a tough time, and they need to step up, and it could, they could do it. And you look at the rest of Northwestern's schedule, um, there's a lot of momentum to be had, and it starts this weekend. Uh, anything you want to add about Northwestern's defense uh, in this game? I thought they were solid. They did their job. Maryland had their quarterback problems. DJ Moore kind of gashed them, but – their front seven got pressured, which is what you needed. And Patty Fisher and Nate Hall uh, look really good. Oh, yeah. No, they, they were very much on. And I, I was actually pretty impressed by the defense in this game. They only had full strength for the second half with Godwin and Patty Fisher back for the second half. And they only gave up seven points in the whole second half of the play. So I felt pretty good about the defense. I think this defense at full strength is is multifaceted. And against a what, what's, I think, an average or maybe even above-average offense, in the Big Ten, they did a pretty good job. Look, the great sign here is that Northwestern clearly came out with a game plan to stop the run, to try to get off the field without their without their top two defenders, many would argue, in, in Fisher and Iguobuike, and they were able to execute that plan. Uh, Nate Hall was in the backfield all day. He had help. Uh, they, they were run blitzing. Tyler Lancaster was getting pushed up the middle, and they were able to get stops uh, and get tackles for loss when they needed to, especially in the first half, and that's a great sign. But... This secondary still looks shaky, and I know that they've been hampered by injuries, but Montre Hardage, it, it, it's time for him to step up, and and DJ Moore just destroyed him and the rest of that coverage team. They refused to double him, and I understand that it worked out well and that they only they, they only ended up giving up 21 points. They won handily, but 12 catches for 210 yards is a ton. It's just unbelievable, and they never even looked like they were capable of slowing him down. They tech, I think DJ Moore was credited with 17 targets, but at least a couple of those were throwaways where Bordenschlager had no chance to get him. And it's not like this is this is some great quarterback zipping it into perfect windows to Moore all day. 
He's open all day. He's creating yards after the catch all day. And yes, he is a very talented receiver. He's above and beyond. But this secondary still has serious questions, and they weren't even able to to dominate or to even uh, do better than consistently a quarterback who is just not very good. And that's seri- a serious issue for me. Now, the yeah. defensive line got some serious pressure, and I love to see that, but the secondary needs to be better. I think Northwestern's uh, safeties are a really strong point. Their linebackers are proving to be really strong. Their front four uh, is middling. I think it has been good. It's been bad at times early on in the season. Didn't get a lot of pressure. And their secondary is their weak spot. But uh, this has been historically a good unit for Northwestern. Um, I think they have some talent there. Obviously, we're hurt by losing Keith Watkins. We should always remember that at the beginning of the season. But I think you nailed it, Noah. Their, their secondary is the weakest spot, and that's going to be quarterbacks going to target, even mediocre quarterbacks. Um, only other thing to add from this one, uh, special teams was good. Charlie Kubander, great. Special teams uh, player of the week in the Big Ten. There you go. Yeah. So, good for him. I think that about wraps it up for Maryland. Um, was a pretty comprehensive performance for Northwestern. It, 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 it didn't always feel not in doubt, but it never really felt like Maryland was going to do enough to beat what Northwestern was bringing, if that, yes, if that makes enough exactly. sense. Exactly. Classic Northwestern yeah. performance in that respect. Yeah. I can count, like, five games like, <laughs> like five games yeah. in the last two years that were like that. Yeah, exactly. Let's move on to this Iowa game. This is a really fun little matchup uh, at Ryan Field, 11 a.m. this weekend. Iowa's a solid team, only lost two games against ranked teams, Penn State and Michigan State, both pretty close games. And Northwestern, a team, is 3-3, three and three, but we think they have some more talent. Um, what do you? Well, let's start with... How good is Iowa, really? Are, are they, you know, the team that, that can't really beat the upper teams of the Big Ten? Are they, you know, little kind of bottom of the Big Ten? Or are they as good a team to hang with Penn State for 59 minutes? I think that defensively, this is one of the best teams in the conference. They've shown that in multiple weeks, that they can just kind of slow you down and turn it into one of those classic grinded-out Big Ten games. You want to remember back... A couple years ago to that Big Ten championship game, Iowa and oh, Michigan yeah. State. Oh, yeah. It was just the most Big Ten I think football could ever get Yep, uh, in that yep. one football game. But they've been doing that a lot this year. Uh, both of those losses against Penn State and Michigan State, 21-19 to Penn State, came down to the last play, and then 17-10 to to Michigan State. Yeah. Which seems like we're yeah. kind and, of... And it was hard for them because they had to go play Michigan State right after, I thought... Just a really deflating win, a, a loss yeah. against Penn State. It's really yeah. tough to lose tough. on that last play like that. And overall, I, I you know, we, usually the bend-don't-break is, is a negative, is used as a pejorative term, but this is the extreme, this is the ultimate bend-don't-break defense, and I mean that in an entirely positive sense. Now, they allowed Penn State to rack up yards against them. I think Saquon Barkley went for around 200 yards from scrimmage, but once they get inside the 40, the opposing offense... Iowa just puts the clamps down. They do not let them get any farther. Their front seven is just key at controlling the running game, especially in the red zone. Um, They just do not let opponents get the most out of drives. Uh, and they've been able to consistently do it against against two pretty good offenses, one really good offense at Penn State, and then a pretty good offense at Michigan State. I think this defense is legit. I mean, Josie Jewell has obviously been the crown jewel of this defense. He's this, the senior middle linebacker. Everybody knows about him. 53 tackles. I mean, that's just insane. Nine and a half tackles for loss. See, is he the outlaw? Is that, yeah, is that right? Yeah. Learned that this week. Um, Good little nickname. Yeah. <laughs> really excited. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> he's to see him play. <laughs> he's going to be playing on Sundays for a while. He's, I, uh, he's a player. I was introduced to him my uh, freshman year at Ryan Field when oh, Iowa. Really? When, well, all, I, I mean, in the game where oh, Iowa okay. just destroyed us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I also saw him. I did opposing player quotes my freshman year. That was my little assignment. Uh, 
He's a smart dude. Uh, and, he he's a real good football player. And Jewel and Jewel's great, but don't sleep. They have they have two other defensive ends who who, who have some serious talent. There's Parker Hess. I think it's Hess. It might be Hesse. I might pronounce that wrong. I'm sorry if Parker's family is listening. And then Anthony Nelson. Hey, if you're out there, Iowa fans, <laughs> yeah. just send us in. Just send us in your corrections. <laughs> yes, please do. And then Anthony Nelson. The and th- those are the bookend defensive ends. Anthony Nelson, six seven sophomore, who has put up five sacks through five games. And you haven't heard his name. It's not a guy that you've been hearing his name, but he can get after the quarterback. Uh, and Hess can really can really get in the backfield. He has uh, six and a half tackles for loss. So these are two defensive ends that can that can also stymie Northwestern up front. This front seven is a force to be reckoned with from Iowa. It's not, it, and it doesn't it doesn't end with Josie Jewell. That's yeah. This is a multifaceted defense, and Northwestern and they're going to have to be on their offensive game. Yes. Probably as yes. as sharp as we saw them last week, even more uh, if they're going to want to hang in this game against Iowa. Yeah, North. I said this before. This is a really good test for Northwestern. We're going to find out how good they are because Iowa does not mess around. Uh, Northwestern has to take care of the ball, not turn it over. And this is going to be a really interesting game uh, for Mick McCall, I think. Not even just him, but the play calling. Like, Can Northwestern avoid third and longs? Because this is a team, third and long, they're going to eat you up. You're going to pump the ball. It's going to be an ugly day. Um, I'll flip the other side. What are we expecting from Iowa on offense? Uh, some good numbers secretly. Akram Wadley has been a bit of kryptonite for the Cats in recent years. Uh, what, what are we expecting from the Hawkeyes? I'm sure the Northwestern defense is still very much aware of what Akram Wadley did against them. Two years ago, it was the homecoming game at Ryan Field, and he just went absolutely off. I think it was four touchdowns for him in that game. Yeah, he went insane. As they just steamrolled Northwestern. And, yeah, he hasn't quite been the same Akram Wadley this year. He's been kind of slowed down just a little bit more. So 4.1 yards per carry, four touchdowns. It's fine numbers, but it's not probably what we expected from Akron Wadley this year. But I'm sure Northwestern's not going to be overlooking him at all in this game. They're going to be locked in on that Iowa right now. Yeah, and this is kind of a backwards Iowa offense from what we've seen in recent years. I mean, this is a team with a tendency to pound the ball. Uh, Akron Wadley was, is obviously a great running back, but I, and I think he averaged around six yards per carry last year. He just yeah. had an insane year. Um, this year he's averaging 4.1. Uh, I think you mentioned it. Uh, he, he just hasn't, they, they just have not been able to get that ground game going. And meanwhile, the passing game has seemingly flourished. Sophomore Nate Stanley has put, has put up numbers with uh, 15 touchdowns to only two interceptions. Now, those numbers are inflated. Iowa has played some teams that are pretty bad uh, defensively. Iowa State, even though they had the big Oklahoma upset, they're a Big 12 team. Their defense is not very good at all. The numbers are like inflated because of that. Like, how long has this been going on that like Big Twelve teams just can't play defense? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I like, don't know. It's I know it's a years. thing, but why? It's just I I don't know. It's the same reason like why in Big Ten football yeah. just I so guess, like is it got to be about boring. the athletes, right? I, the I offensive it's, linemen. It's you got like, the big, big farm guys. Yeah, just, it's all about the trench. It's maybe weird. Over there. the Midwest too. I don't get it. But uh, their yeah. defense is not good at all. Let me tell you. Uh, Iowa was able to take advantage of that. Iowa's offense, their their especially their passing game, their numbers have been pumped up a little bit. They also got to face North Texas and Illinois, two bad defensive teams. But I do think it, Nate Stanley is at least partially legit. He's had a lot of time behind this offensive line. They've had a lot of success, uh, and he's been able to pick out a ton of different receivers. They really spread the ball around. Uh, tight end Noah Fant gets a lot of targets, but uh, Nick Easley, Matt Vandenberg, uh, Vandenberg especially is a, is a returning uh, wide receiver target for the Hawkeyes. There's a lot of options to watch out for on this Iowa team, and of course there's always Akron Wadley out of the back backfield. He can really hurt you catching the ball. So they have a lot of weapons. I think the passing game is something to be reckoned with, especially against the Northwestern cornerback situation that has been in flux and, and struggling over the past couple of games. It's really something to watch out for. So we talked about Northwestern a lot when we were going through the Maryland game, and now we know 
uh, about Iowa. How do you guys think this game's going to go? Um, maybe just like how the game's going to go, you see it, and then we'll move on to quick predictions in, in a sec. I've got Northwestern pulling this one out, but I think it's going to be that kind of grinded-out Big Ten game. going to be pretty low-scoring. I don't think any team gets over maybe like 25 points in this game. Northwestern's offense is going to need to to be what they were last week. It's going to be a little tougher against the Iowa yeah. defense, but just put together one or two good drives, and I think that will be enough. It's I think they can contain Iowa's defense enough. They're going to play a slow style. It's going to just be a really drawn-out kind of game, and I think Northwestern would win. I'm going to say 24-20 as my score prediction. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I just I want it, but I just cannot see Northwestern pulling this one out. Uh, I would love to beat Iowa. I hate <laughs> Iowa, but... The the Hawkeyes' strengths just match up really well with Northwestern's weaknesses over these past couple games. We already talked about their passing game has really had success. I think Godwin, if Northwestern's going to have a chance of winning, Godwin Gubuike is going to have to play one of the games of his life. The linebackers are going to have to play great again. Otherwise, I just see them passing all over Northwestern, which doesn't sound like Iowa, I know, but I just think that they're going to be able to rack up yards through the air. Um, and Clayton Thorson is not going to be able to get it going against this really strong front seven. I think he's going to find himself on the ground a lot. I think Northwestern's going to be able to keep it close. They'll make some big plays on defense. Justin Jackson might do just enough to keep him in it. Um, but I do think Iowa's going to pull this one out. I'm going to say 27-20. Uh, okay. Should, should be a good one. Uh, we'll have that on the call for you at 11 a.m. Tim Hackett, R11. Uh, should be a good little booth. Darren uh, Zaslow. Darren, I apologize if I'm saying your name wrong if you're listening. Uh, we'll be on the sidelines. This should be a really fun one. That about wraps it up for the Northwestern football talk. Remember, tune in this weekend. will be a good one. Uh, let's move on to the rest of the Big Ten. Uh, last week, uh, I wouldn't say we learned a lot uh, about Big Ten. I think all the results kind of went as expected. The only real surprise was that Michigan uh, had to go to overtime to beat Indiana. A little upstart performance from the Hoosiers. They've been okay this year. Let's read into this one. I want to read into this one. Yeah. Is, is Michigan, like... Are they really just not that good? Is Indiana just play well? Like, how did that how did that game get to overtime? I know Indiana had that really late drive to tie it up. Well, what's the deal with O'Corn? That's the big question here. With didn't Michigan. look great because he really didn't look great, and he was supposed to be pretty decent. At least he was supposed to be, I think, better than what he's looked like so far. This now Michigan wasn't good because Wilton Spate was good. Remember, this is a very talented team in really much every facet of their game. But if your quarterback play is going to struggle that much. I'm not sure if you can be taken seriously as one of the top contenders. They wanted to be considered as look, a playoff contender just as soon as a couple weeks ago. Look, I, my hot take here is that Michigan is just not that good of a team. I think they're overrated. I don't think they're true talent as good as Michigan State, even though that Michigan State game was played in a little bit of a rainstorm. It was uh, a little bit It was flawed. whoever had the lead yeah, when exactly. that monster so that, came. So that, that game didn't show true talent, but I don't. I just don't think this Michigan team is very good. O'Korn, they're clearly not a – at this point, they're not a playoff team. I don't, think they're, I don't think they're even a contender in the Big Ten to even like yeah. – I don't think they can even they can even touch Ohio State. Now, that's we're going we're to find, find out a lot this week we about what we Michigan has. We're going to we get will. to that in just a second, but, but go I, ahead. But I do think I, – Michigan, obviously, Rashawn Gary is a great player. He's going to be playing in the NFL. Maurice Hurst has really come on strong as a defender. But their, their defense overall is is just a solid Big Ten defense. And I'm saying just because the Big Ten defenses are so good this year. But I don't I don't see their defense as being any better than Iowa's, for example, or Penn State's. And for them to be able to carry this mediocre offense to some key wins, their defense would have to be transcendent. And I just don't see it right now. I and I and I just don't think that they're that they're good enough to really compete in the Big Ten East. 
I, I, I have to agree with that. I think that they've established that they're a big step below Penn State and Ohio State in the yeah. Big Ten East. Yeah. I mean, they're just—they're not going to cut it, and it's going to something's going to have to seriously change for that team if they want to be yeah. taken seriously with those two teams at the top. Tim Harbaugh, a little bit of a referendum, maybe so yeah. far this year. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's a little early for him to it be is, driving it is early. his it's early. to be to grinding his teams into the ground during his tenure, but uh, certainly some struggles. They don't look like a top four or even a top ten team to me yet. We're going to find out about them. Before we talk about that, anything interesting you saw from the rest of the Big Ten games this week? I, I did say there were no upsets. That's wrong. Uh, Rutgers. Uh, that's uh, not an upset. Illinois is terrible. All right. Well, Illinois is bad. I, I guess it's not an upset. Congratulations, Rutgers. Uh, you've won a Big Ten game. We're happy for you. First one 13th while, best, right? baby. Uh, it may be the f- first since 2014, I believe. Oh, man. Yeah. I, it I might believe. be their first. I like, they went over in both. 2015 Yeah, it's one of their first since joining that. the conference. So, Please correct me, listeners, if I am correct. Um, hopefully that is the start of many more. Uh, can't say <laughs> that I have confidence in that statement. Yeah. Um, anyth- hopefully. Anyth- I, I love when Rutgers is back. I don't You're right. No, uh, I, I'm believing in the turnaround. <laughs> All right. Anything else Chris you guys Ash. learned from this past weekend? There wasn't, again, it was kind of as expected, yeah. I thought, in the rest um, of the games. Um, I, Purdue kept it close. Purdue, Purdue, that's what I guess Wisconsin, about. but... Purdue's a solid little team. They're a solid team, and I I think think they showed they can hang with the big boys, and it's going to be interesting once they get to their softer stretch of the schedule how really good they are. I think this Purdue Purdue team has really shown that uh, that, that their defense can hang as well as their offense. Now, early in the season... In a matchup against, in a close loss against Louisville, that's looking worse and worse by the week. Louisville with that bad <laughs> loss to Boston College. Um, but was, they showed that their suffer. offense can really score. Purdue's, but their defense has been has been really good recently. They were able to put up a, a good fight against a good Wisconsin team, all holding them to only 17 points and holding them scoreless for the last two and a half quarters of that game. Uh, so I think that this Purdue team is a force to be reckoned with. I think that right now, Purdue is better than Northwestern, and that's something that it's I don't gonna be, think It's going to be another said. one of Northwestern's tough games down yeah, the stretch. I don't think I, that's stretch. something I could have said this decade uh, until now. So, yeah, Purdue is good, yeah. uh, and I don't know how I feel about that. It's definitely Northwestern's third hardest game, right? Yeah, they've got yeah, Michigan yeah, State, yeah. they've got Iowa, and then you're, you're thinking about Purdue. Purdue yeah. So yeah. that'll be a fun one. Northwestern, uh, there's guess what, definitely softened up after their tough start, but and by no means is it easy. Luckily, they do get those three teams at home, so that yeah. is that is they, hopefully they going do to be have key. a nice little um, home stretch. Really, they're closing out their season four out of six at home, which is as much as you could want for this team, especially if bowl con- if bowl contention is a struggle. Um, let's move on to the or no one no 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 no, no. I, uh, I would move on. Let's move on <laughs> to the big game this week. Uh, not as big maybe as I hoped at the beginning of the season. This is the first big Big Ten game I've really circled that I'm really excited for between really the top four teams in the Big Ten. Penn State-Michigan no. should be a, should be a good one. Uh, Michigan, we've, we've talked about a bit reeling. Penn State off a bye. Um, they had that close win against Iowa. They dominated Northwestern on that first half. Maybe was a little closer than you expected. And Penn State just generally looked really good. They look like a top four team in the country. Does Michigan have a chance in this one, guys? I'd have to say they do, just because I do think their defense can put together that performance that just overwhelms them because of the, the talent level. Now, I did say earlier that I don't think the defense is transcendent, but I think that if Rashawn Gary just has a monster game, and who knows, they get a couple breaks, I think they can compete. I just find it so much more likely that Penn State rolls them over. I don't see Michigan... I mean, this is a matchup, uh, one of the most lopsided matchups uh, in terms of unit versus unit between good teams that I've seen in terms of Michigan's 
deeply flawed passing attack against Penn State's dominant secondary. You got to be careful just, not to throw interceptions. Yeah, I just I, run the ball. I, I would. I might run it fifty times. I mean, Karan Higdon had a good game last week. Twenty-five for two hundred and three touchdowns. He he looked really good. Um, but of course, you can't run it every play. They'll just put eleven in the box, and then you will lose yardage. Uh, no, I was, no, 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 no. Uh, turns out uh, Army can do that. Yeah, Army can, can do that. Triple option. Triple option is a little heard bit different. A little that's bit different. a surprising yet effective strategy. Really? Is that a strategy? <laughs> I think you could call that a strategy. You could call it a strategy. It's a little bit, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. continue, Noah. Sorry. Anyways, <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a little different, obviously, in the triple option. Um, I, I think Michigan's just not going to be able to move the ball through the air at all. Now, this being uh, college football, of course, John O'Connor will throw for 400 yards and five <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. So when that happens, you can all Yeah, feel free to add us. Matt, yes. how do you see Michigan keeping this in the uh, staying in this, or are you predicting a, a Penn State I, I blowout? Don't, I don't see Michigan yeah. staying in this game at all. I just, yeah. I just think Penn State's going to roll over them in this game because we saw that here in person. They could do everything, every and phase of the game. They weren't even – Penn State wasn't having one of its yeah, best games against Northwestern. They weren't even worst game. Yeah. And they still managed to – yeah. To win easily. Offensive um, line looked horrible. They beat us by and that was on the I think it's exactly what you said, Noah, is that Michigan's biggest yeah. flaw, their passing game, just really matches up poorly with Penn State's, their biggest defensive strength. Yeah. Um, Maybe their biggest strength? I yeah. mean, that secondary is so good. We'll, we'll see if Michigan, you know, they are a good defense, if they can contain Saquon, who I think personally isn't as good as everyone says well, he is. Yeah. He's still yeah. one of the best running backs in the country. I just, you I know, have, I, I think kids, he's a little more human. He's a little more human. Yeah. It's but. just it's just their offensive line, and I'm sorry to cut you off here, Matt. I, I just think their offensive line, people don't think about how bad their offensive line is, and I would like us, everybody, to remember how bad their offensive line is um, compared to the rest of that team. There's the, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a middle of the FBS offensive line on a top five team, yeah. which is just really bad for a singular which, unit. And which I know, Michigan just, should be able to exploit. Exactly, and there's only so much a running back can do about that. I mean, in that Northwestern game, people were giving Saquon Barkley crap, but there's seven defenders in the backfield every play. What are you going to do? Nate Hall is yeah. an open field tackler. Nate Hall and Patty you. Fisher Pay- look Patty really Fisher, good. Open yeah. field tackler. If he's there in the backfield and you haven't had a chance to get a head start and you haven't had a chance to build up steam, you're just going to get tackled. That's all there is to it. Yeah, and that might be the saving grace for Michigan in this game is that yeah. if yeah. they can stop Penn State from moving the ball, they can turn that into a slower, It'll look a lot. Game. Michigan wants it to look like the Iowa-Penn State exactly. game that was played. That's the blueprint. And Because uh, that was literally a toss-up game yeah. at the end there, and that's, I think, Michigan's best chance is try yeah. to make this a toss-up kind yeah. of game. You, you know Harbaugh will have his boys coached up. I expect this to be a good game. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna say Michigan will win. I think Penn State will win, but I'm hoping that Michigan. I think they'll they'll bring it at least for three quarters. Um, not a lot of other good games on the slate this week. Indiana they looked good against Michigan. Michigan State quietly not a great team in the top twenty of the country. I think. Uh, can Indiana earn, earn an upset? Uh, get a reward for what they showed last week? I think they could. They could hang with them. I should. They showed that they could hang. But again, I mean, they haven't won. Indiana's not. Indiana's yet. not that good. They They're just really kind of hanged. Yeah, yeah. you'll uh, and you'll hear more about this from me later. But um, <laughs> stay so tuned for the lock of, of the week. There, there's a little bit of foreshadowing. But I think this Indiana team is due for a mini letdown. Can you really have a letdown when you haven't run any big games? Yeah, no, <laughs> but a mini letdown just in terms of competitive. Just a bit of a hangover from yeah. losing such I a I think there's a couple a of factors game. conflating for people to think that this game is going to be closer than it really is going to be. That's fair. Um, let's move on. That basically wraps up the Big Ten. Again, one big game to watch. Uh, the closer we get to the end of the season, we'll keep you updated on those Big Ten title game races. Uh, but right now, we're just talking about the games. Let's move on to the national stage. I want to talk about... Who benefited the most and 
obviously who lost the most, the teams that lost. The top four teams, top ten teams, four of them lost. Auburn lost to LSU, Washington lost, Washington State lost, Clemson lost to Syracuse. Who benefits the most from these teams, and how does it shake up the college football playoff picture? I know it hurts the Pac-12, and it hurts the uh, ACC. Well, Definitely does, yeah. For me, the biggest the biggest winner is the SEC. Now, I know Auburn lost, so that, that would make you think that the SEC is a loser here. But I think one of the SEC's keys, key issues going into this year was that nobody thought there was any kind of parity in this league. Everybody thought that it was Alabama with Georgia maybe a, a step and a half behind them, and then Auburn maybe three steps behind them, and then the other 11 teams were just bad. But we've seen some upsets. You know, we've seen... Auburn play a couple close games. Now, maybe Auburn's not as good as we thought. I'd say they're definitely not as good as we thought. But Auburn losing to LSU, LSU beating Florida. There's just a ton of parity in this league, and I think that bodes well for Alabama and Georgia's uh, schedules and their strength of schedules looking a lot better than they were going to look at the start of the season. And Which it definitely really, helps the chance that a one-win exactly. SCT team could be a second... Sorry, one loss. One win would be bold. One win, <laughs> get in the college. No, a one-loss exactly. SEC team yeah. could be that fourth team. And I think that right now, as it's set up right now, if it's Alabama and Georgia in the SEC championship, even if even if one of them ends up with two losses out of that game, I think you might have to let them both into the playoff, uh, depending on how bad that second loss is, obviously, because other teams are going to go down. Yeah. And right now the SEC just looks really strong. Now I don't like it when two SEC yeah. teams make it, especially when one of those teams happens to be Alabama. Happens every other year or so, yeah. every so often, you know, yeah. uh, that Alabama makes it in. But I do think the SEC comes out of this that weekend well, looking really <clears> good. And how I'm about TCU in the Big 12? TCU I think they were good. the conference at the beginning of the year that a lot of people circled as the odd one out. Maybe the or Pac-12. Oklahoma was going to be or, or Oklahoma the was, only team. Yeah, the only chance. team. Maybe Oklahoma State. Yeah, may, Oklahoma State there. was certainly a good team. But they have to feel really good that the top of the Pac-12, all three of their big teams have lost so far. How about the dark horse team that I think comes out pretty big from this, and that's Miami. Yeah, they're Miami? five and zero. Oh. Wow. Wow. and the wow. AC, wow. and they're in the ACC. And the Hurricanes, <laughs> unbelievable, making a little bit of a sneaky kind of playoff push now. Yeah, right? I and mean, I, yeah, just I think playing it, nothing but unbelievably close games. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. just keep winning games, and other teams as, as you just watch the other teams around you start yeah. to fall. Yeah. You just kind of hang in there, and I mean, we're talking about Miami as a team that could seriously be in the playoffs in a few weeks, and it's just. Kind of, kind of hard yeah. to wrap your head around. So I want to ask you guys what your top four is right now. Obviously, Alabama's in. TCU's probably in. Georgia, Penn State, Wisconsin, Miami. Which of those teams are in right now? I feel like, as of now, the winner of the Big Ten title game gets in. The loser's probably not. Is there a way that two Big Ten teams can get in? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. If Wisconsin think, and Penn State both have great seasons, I think, yeah. I think this happens every year that people sleep on just how easy it is to lose games. And we talk... This happened a little bit last week where we talked about how Oklahoma we were saying, was, we were saying Oklahoma league, was done, yeah. right? Oh, uh, Will especially was saying, yeah. I'm not trying to jump on him here, yeah. but Will especially was saying Oklahoma's done. But teams are going to lose. Teams always lose. I do not see TCU escaping this regular season unscathed. They're a great team. They're going to lose a game. They're super vulnerable just because of that big play nature, that whole Big 12 dynamic. Yeah. Any team can go down. I don't think either Penn State or Ohio State is coming out unscathed. I think maybe one of the SEC teams comes away undefeated. There's going to be a lot of losses this year. Uh, I think that a lot of these teams still have a chance, and I think absolutely if it's, let's say, Penn State and Ohio State, one of them wins the division, the other one has one loss, much like last year's Ohio State team, and we got, like, say, an 11-1 and Penn State on the outside looking in. And, but it's, you're and saying it's, it's much more likely that the two teams would come from the same division. I, I do think it's yeah. much more likely just because Wisconsin's strength of schedule is just not there. Yeah. They've played absolutely nobody. 
Um, Unless they come out as the winner, they would have, yeah. if they win the Big and Ten then, game, then and then the loser of that Big Ten game could come in, and then Ohio State or Penn State, whichever team's not there, can, yeah. can find themselves looking in. Matt, what's have, your? We could even have three Big Ten teams, maybe even four, which would be insane, and I don't think it's going to happen in the New Year Six. The New Year yeah, Six that'd is that'd be really right for Big Ten teams. Kind of possible, Matt, yeah. who's your four right now? I'm going. I'm just going to go with Penn State, obviously, as the two, and then. For me, I'm going back and forth. I've got Georgia, and then I'm going to put Wisconsin in there right okay. now. Wow, wow. Because I like it. They, yeah, they just, they've they, looked a little better than Miami. Wisconsin, even though they haven't played anyone great, they've just held up. They haven't yep. looked like yeah. vulnerable yet. I also have Penn State and Georgia as 2-3, but I do have TCU in there. And TCU. Four. That's, okay. That's um, also which, and I just, I just don't, I, and it's tough for Wisconsin, I know, because they, they haven't had the chance to play anybody good. They thought BYU would be better than they are right now. They're one of the 15 worst teams in the FBS, so what are you going to do about that? Yeah. <laughs> Not much you can do about that. But I just don't think, I think TCU has beaten the teams that Wisconsin hasn't. I think you have to put them in at number four right now. Not that that means anything at all. Uh, it is early. It is early. I don't, Very think, early. I don't think any of those top four teams, yeah. except maybe Alabama, is just so tough to bet against them, are going to survive the season yeah. undefeated. I think at least two of those teams come out with two losses. That's really? My, that's my That would be a, a chaotic year for college chaotic football. Chaotic year. I want to ask you guys. Yeah. 10-year anniversary. True. I want to ask you guys yeah. about the Pac-12. How do one of those three good teams in the Pac-12, Washington, Washington State, USC, they obviously, you said Noah, and you've been saying that, any team could lose and then you're back in it. But how do those those teams work their way back into the college football playoff picture? Well, it's tough given the Pac-12, just the Pac-12 North, the nature of how good that they've been. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's other than Oregon State, everyone's yeah, good. Yeah, everyone's good, <laughs> in yeah. In the Pac-12 North, even, like, the teams that are supposed to be pushovers, like Cal, even yeah. Oregon stepped yeah. up big time. Yeah. Stanford's playing some good football. There's a lot of good teams Stanford. in that Pac-12 North. Yeah. Controls their destiny. Is Utah yeah. the Pac-12 North? I think they're in the South. They're in the oh, South. They're in the South. Okay. South. That's why yeah. they still have a shot. Yeah. Because it's just them and USC. Yeah, Utah, sneaky, yeah. sneaky. UCLA, I guess, too, could. Yeah, yeah, yeah but they're something. just they're just not good. I, <laughs> they're 3-3. Three and three. They haven't Fair. looked good. But, yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 is crazy. I will toot my own horn for a second here. I did say last week that Cal Wazoo game is going to be closer than people expected. And, well, it wasn't actually very close, no. but it was definitely fun to watch Cal dominate a top 10 team. Yeah. That was pretty <laughs> insane. I, I thought, you know, it, it, it was it was an insane, really an insane game that that Cal was able to run away with it like that. That Cal team looks like, uh, they're a fun team, man. They look like a lot of fun. Uh, in a couple of years when Justin Wilcox has really been able to implement his uh, his coordinators, watch out for that Cal team. They could really They could really recruit. They could really have a chance to recruit in that area in Berkeley. Um, but but more to the current Pac-12, any of those three teams, uh, Washington, Washington State, Stanford, all one loss in division, all one loss in conference, I should say, all have not played each other out of the three. So yeah. all of those games are left to come. Any of those three teams can if come out win, on top. If you could win both of them, if you're you back win, in. If you can win yeah. both of them, you're back in the playoff yeah. race. Exactly. Um, and I think... I think, yeah, yeah, I think that that loss absolutely does not exclude right. Washington. I think Washington still has a very good chance yeah. to make this playoff. Matt, I'll ask you, out of those three teams, who do you feel the best about getting back in the playoff race? USC, and I, I think I feel pretty confident about that. This is a team that I had in my playoff picture at the beginning of the year. They still have the talent to be at that level. And I think, yeah, they, I think they have the best chance. They think they can match up the best against both of those teams when they play them this year. And uh, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be down to the wire for them. Like they're gonna have to really grind for those wins in the last couple of weeks. But I still think they could very easily get into the playoffs. I think, and yeah, the schedule lines up well for USC the rest of the way through. Um, I do like Washington the best. Uh, the problem is that that matchup with Stanford, who 
has, I guess, has a small chance themselves, but with San Diego State losing to Boise State, that loss starting to look bad for them. They have two losses. It's going to be really tough for them. I don't think Washington's going to be able to survive both Washington State and Stanford unscathed. Yep. And for that reason, I guess USC has to, has, has to have the best chance. But I just do not like the Pac-12 right now. I, I think, again, Washington has the best chance to make they, the they still, I don't like No matter what happens, even if one of those teams defeats the other teams around them, the, uh, the Pac-12 still needs some help elsewhere. Yep. Yes. But uh, we'll see what happens. Want to move on to the games this week. Uh, two I just want to talk about before we get to the lock of the week. Syracuse-Miami. Uh, we talked about Miami so far. They've been benefits of all these losses. They're looking good. Can Syracuse do again what they just did to Clemson? Nope. <laughs> no. no. Uh, pretty pretty confident no there, yeah. actually, from me. Yeah, I just... I That's mean, fair. I just... if I asked you this last week, can Syracuse beat Clemson? No, yeah. No. Uh, I'm not saying... No one here is saying Broke Syracuse twice, is going to win. twice a day, but I just, <laughs> I just don't see it again. All right. Well, I'll ask I you do, about... Oh, go ahead. I do think this game is going to be a good one. Um, I, I think Miami just has not shown the capacity to pull away from anybody. Their passing game is atrocious. <laughs> Apparently until the last two minutes of every game when they yeah. turn into the greatest passing team on the planet. But they have they're the completion percentage, I don't have the number on me, but it's been under fifty percent in both of the last two weeks against secondaries that have that are not phenomenal in Florida State and Georgia Tech. Um, their passing game is just not good, so they're not gonna be able to pull away from Syracuse. I don't think this game is gonna be very fun. I do not think Syracuse is going to win. No. So that's yeah. what I got. I think it's gonna look a little similar to that Duke game we saw a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Miami Duke. Thirty one six Miami. In North Carolina. This one's in Miami. Not great. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll ask you guys. There is one, I think, really good game this week. Yes. Um, USC-Notre Dame. We just talked about USC. I think USC needs to win this to keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, Notre Dame, quiet, not quietly, but they haven't really been in the headlines a lot this season. No, they're pretty quiet, yeah. Yeah, they haven't. I guess quietly is fair. Quiet for Notre Dame. Yeah, quiet <laughs> for them. 4-8 uh, last year. Can't, can't forget that. Um, who's going to come out on top of this one? This is a game with sneakily big implications. I'm going to go with the Trojans here, and I think this is, well, not only is, if they lose this game, they're done. This is their only chance for that marquee win. They have no other chance to this pick up yeah. a marquee win after this until potentially a Pac-12 championship game. But there's a chance that if they lose this game, they could still go on to win the Pac-12 North. But then, you really I don't have anyone else on the schedule that is kind of standing out for me for USC after this game. This is kind of it. I like I like Notre Dame a lot here. I I don't I, I'm not I don't think they're a sure thing by any stretch of the imagination. Sam Darnold can can absolutely tear them apart if 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 things break right for him. But I like Notre Dame here. I think Brian Kelly's Brian Kelly's going to take his team on a little bit of a run. I think they're even they they might even sniff some playoff projections. But I think the bottom will fall out by the end of the season. I like this Notre Dame team a lot. Um, I I think that they're going to be playoff contenders. I just don't think they have the chops to make it all the way into the playoff. But I do think that they're going to give this USC team that's really had a downstretch recently. I don't think they're going to be able to recover against Notre Dame. I think this the schedule uh, that that this is a really tough matchup for them coming off of a couple of tough games in a row, uh, and I think Notre Dame's going to take it to them. All right, great stuff. Let's move on to my favorite segment every week: the ADT Lock of the Week. Lock your house. Lock your pick. Uh, we had a great week last week here at WR. Uh, Noah had TCU at minus four and a half over Kansas State, and that went pretty well. And Will, uh, as he swears that the underdog in the Red River rivalry always covers a big spread, he was right. Texas lost Oklahoma, but covered seven and a half, just lost by six. Two and oh, there were some extra picks. Will had Georgia at minus three against Missouri. That was a bad extra pick. Coastal Carolina against Arkansas State, also a bad extra pick. Noah, however, his three extra picks all worked out. Virginia. Minus three and a half over North Carolina. Saw that one. Ohio State pummeled Nebraska. 
just cover that minus 24 spread. Utah plus 13 against USC worked out. Noah had a 4-0 week last week. He's back for more. Wow. Maybe the sole reason why we invited him back on this podcast. Yeah. I like have, to think it's because... They have had a lot of press, and he was just uh, standing out on the field. You decide on that one. Uh, as a station, we're 11-5 and 1, which is good. Better at the level I want to see us at, because these are locks. <laughs> uh, you get to pick one, and then you can always throw in any extra ones you want, not for the actual... Just for fun. Just for fun. Just for fun. Uh, Matt, I'll start with you. What is your ADT lock of the week? I'm going to go ahead and lock the Nittany Lions this week. It kind of feels gross to say it, but I think they just, they're just so good. And I, I want Michigan to keep this game close, but even then, just nine and a half points. That's a lot, though. That's a lot. It it's more. Nine, uh, no. It's not a lot for for this game, if but it was in anything Michigan, more than a, anything more than a touchdown is a lot. I think I would have expected nine and a half. If it was in Michigan. That's kind of what tells me about that. That tells me about the difference between these two teams. They're so different. There's a big gap between Penn State and Michigan in my mind, like we talked about earlier. And I think nine and a half is not enough points. When you count it. All right. Well, there you have it, Matt. Lock of the Lions. We talked about them a lot earlier this podcast. Uh, so you feel good about that one. Noah, what is your lock of the week? I'm keeping it in the Big Ten. Uh, I, I'm, I'm always a little bit wary of home favorites, especially a Michigan State team that I think is a little bit overhyped. But I do think that the, that the six and a half points against Indiana is too small. I think people are looking a lot at that Indiana game last week against Michigan when Michigan really had at just about as many things go wrong for them as possible. Uh, Indiana was really lucky to stay in that it's game. Indiana team, I know I asked earlier if they were any good. They're not that good. They're not, I don't <laughs> think they're that good. The Ohio State game fooled a lot of people into thinking they were better than they are because they hung with them for so long. People forgot that it was the first week of the season. It was the first game of the season. Um, and a, an underdog's always going to come out strong in that type of game. I love watching this Indiana team. I love T-Gray Scales. They're just not that good. Michigan State will cover the six and a half points. That's my lock of the week. Great. There you have it. Penn State minus nine and a half. Michigan State minus six and a half. Uh, if you are so inclined to put wagers on these games, I don't know. I don't there know. They're there for you. I won't do that. I, I never do that. Uh, what do you guys have for any bonuses? you have any good bonuses you'd like to alert the listeners well, I was to? wondering why you threw this game on here. It's the BYU at East Carolina. Oh, yes. Well, the, re- 25 match the reason up, why is that BYU. my friends and I are in a picks competition yeah. for no money, just for pride. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Never but... Money. BYU every week is just so fun to pick against because they're so bad against the spread. That's the only reason why it's here. But why are they favored? Is my question. They're because, road East, because East Carolina, East Carolina is two teams that are worse than them. Yeah. East Carolina <laughs> is giving up a whopping how many teams are worse than BYU? Hundred yards of offense per game. Okay. East Carolina. That's yeah. how bad they are. Great. So <laughs> this is a game that if you want to watch it, uh, I mean, be ready, <laughs> no, you be ready to throw up a couple <laughs> times during the game. It's not going to be fun to watch. Let's see what the uh, what do the old RPI think about these teams? Yeah. BYU. Uh, if you guys read Tom Fornelli on CBSSports.com, he does a little feature that he calls the bottom twenty-five. I believe that this week BYU checks in at number thirteen on the bottom twenty-five, and Eastern Carolina checks in. At number nine, that is for Ooh. the entire FBS. Ooh. So yes, East Carolina at one fifteen in the RP. There's a few FCS teams tossing uh, above. Oh jeez. See, um, so this yeah. is going to be a brutal it's a bad matchup. One. It's but, a bad one. I mean, if we're talking about picking against BYU, <laughs> you're going to go with the trend. Yeah, I'm going. All I'm right, going, I'm going with the home team. I'm thinking. The yeah, home that's team too much for a home dog. There's two terrible home teams dog, that are going dog. to play, yeah, and you're giving five and a half points to BYU on the road. Nah, give me East Carolina. Go Pirates. All right. 
Um, I, in keeping with my tradition from last week, I have three bonus oh, picks. Oh, Noah's so bold, but and, I like and it. And I, uh, I do not think I will fare as well as I did last okay. week. I got a little bit okay. lucky, but I'm hoping. I'm going to stick with my, stick with my, uh, with my big favorite pick. Well, last week I had Ohio State to cover the 24. They did so handily, beating Nebraska by 42 points. This week the spread's a little bigger. Alabama is favored by 34 and a <laughs> half points against Tennessee. First look, you think, what? Tennessee's not good. That's insane. It's so bad. But then you remember, Tennessee might be the worst team in the entire SEC. If Missouri wasn't in the SEC, they'd be the worst team in the entire SEC. Yeah. Fortunately for them, Missouri is in the SEC, so they are not the worst. But Alabama is just so good. Nick Saban never lets his players take a week off. I think Alabama's going to win this one. They might even win it by 60. I've got Alabama to cover that 34 and a half. Wow. Now, crazy things could happen. You know, it's not a sure thing, but I do like that pick. <laughs> My second pick, we talked about this game already. Miami-Syracuse. Um, I like Miami. I think they're going to win. They just have played a lot of close games. They just have not been able to throw the ball accurately. I think Syracuse is keeping it close. The line is 15, which is a lot to me. I think Syracuse is going to have a little bit of a hangover from that Clemson game. But Dino Babers is going to get his boys out to play. Uh, Syracuse is covering that 15. It's going to be uh, It's going to. Miami's going to win by less than 15. Okay. My last one, I'm, I'm jumping on Matt's train here. I got Penn State. Minus 9.5 against Michigan. We talked about this already, why I just don't think Michigan's that good. I think Penn State's going to demolish them, and that's my fourth pick. Penn State is going to cover. Me and Matt both have it. There we go. Well, you'll find out next week. It's been a good little week for our locks of the week. Tune in next time to find out. Uh, that about wraps it up for us, guys. It's been another great episode of Moving the Chains. Thanks a lot to Matt McHugh, our Rosales. Adam Rosales. Adam Rosales yeah. of WNUR. Noah Kaufman, second straight appearance, two great appearances. Uh, start of a long Moving the Chains career, I'm sure. Uh, thanks a lot. I'm Mitt Mallard. Thanks for listening to Moving the Chains on WR Sports. Be sure to tune back in next week.